Yo, this is Joe of Anticon 13 and God, Subtle, 1200 Hobos, uh, many other other crews that are going to come out in the future. But you listen to Dad Bod Rap Pod. Stony Island Audio. And now it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, no need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap pod. Casting live from San Jose, California, it is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I'm one-third of your host, Amon Carter, a.k.a. Dim One, joined by my man's Dave Ma. What's happening, man? Hey, you guys. Good to see you again. It's been a minute, I feel like. Uh, we're both, uh, we're all sort of busy with our independent schedules, but really good to see you guys. That's right. We formed like Voltron once again, and we got uh, my man Nate LeBlanc in here. What's happening, man? uh doing all right yeah um good to see you guys as mentioned i feel like um you know we i i don't know why but it just feels like we have not seen each other in a while but uh you know it's literally been it's literally been eight days but i love the camaraderie (laughs) it's funny that's funny because it's not you're recording on tuesday not monday so it's one extra day gotcha that's that's how the longing exists between us we can't you can't go go away so i can miss you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> nate's country song um so dave you were a part of a an interesting project but listicle which is uh the 12th element of hip-hop is listicles <laughs> uh you were part of a listicle project with rolling stone that you contributed to of the 100 best west coast rap songs of all time um of all time which is at some point we got to stop doing that but i understand totally, totally. i understand it's a way to classify things um tell us a little bit about how you get involved we'll go through some of the picks there uh but just talk to us about how you got involved with the project yeah absolutely i mean uh first off shout out to mosey reeves he was the one who got me on board and he sort of spearheaded the whole thing and put the framework of everything together and um they he had just reached out asking for me to um asking my opinion on a couple things and asking me to contribute um, some songs that I think are worthy. And then after going through that process of him along with 
Christopher Weingarten, who is my ex-editor at Rolling Stone. It's a great dude. And um, and a couple other people, um, you know, they slowly narrowed everything down to, you know, 100 songs. And then from at that point, um, I was assigned a few songs and some of them I pushed for. Um, I ended up writing on uh, Deltron, uh, Deltron 3030, um, Tyler Yonkers, um, People Under the Stairs, Acid Raindrops, and MC8's, um, you know, uh, straight, straight, up straight up menace. So, so um, I mean, all of those I think are very deserving to be on this list, and it was really fun to put together. Absolutely, who doesn't love a fun listicle? Nate, you are our uh, resident semantician, semantarian. <laughs> um, how does how do we even define like what's West Coast? Are you okay with just ge geographic, just period? If you spent X amount of number of years, because there's a couple in here that. Uh, play with this notion is open mike eagle a west coast rapper yeah i i think he is and i, I think i think however they slice the cake is okay i mean he he's obviously from chicago and it was great to see him on the list i have to say right. uh but yeah i think he made his career in la and uh he does commercials for the la tourism board right. or whatever right. um he'll always have a you know one foot in a kind of chicago cypher culture sensibility but he's a west coast rapper he makes his living rapping from the west coast um so yeah in the intro they talked about phoenix i don't know if any phoenix Ooh. rappers made the list but i was like okay that's where we might have to draw Ooh, a right. geographical line i was like coast the, the word west means a lot of things sure uh you know coast only means one thing you touch water <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. yeah you got you got California and all of its various scenes and permutations. Oregon, I don't know if they made the list. Uh, shout out yeah. Life Savers, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then um, there is some some West Coast rap from Seattle. A fairly True controversial that. pick uh, from us uh, that we were talking about off mic from Seattle. Um, but mostly what we're talking about is California rap. And so you've got your Bay Area scenes, your Southern California scenes. Um, Sacramento actually pretty well represented. Yeah, saw some yeah, um, yeah. some Brother Lynch and some other stuff on there. So Mazi. that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. So um, yeah, I think a West Coast rapper uh, has has put out their career defining work while being based in a West Coast city. Okay, yeah. working out of a West Coast city, right? Because like, there's always those. What do you do with the corrupt or whatever? But corrupt right. came or, of age. How about like a too short move to atlanta and put right. out some of his major works but are, are you going to be the one to tell him he's not west coast no, no totally totally yeah uh, you know the we mentioned open mic eagle and nobody thinks um you know cool keith is west coast but i mean uh off top oh, like, he, interesting. He, he, moved, he moved to la for a few years and relocated there to do sex style you know what i mean right. yeah is that yeah. a west coast album you know what i mean right yeah but, but does cubert and automator being from the bay offset you know, if we're talking Dr. <laughs> Octagon, you know right, what I mean? Sure, right. So it's, it's interesting. And they, those are group projects, technically. Um, it's a little more complicated with the Deltron because uh, Kid Koala cool. is obviously Canadian and I don't think he's from the West Coast of Canada. But um, <laughs> I, Dave was able to uh, gerrymander the votes and, and get it in. <laughs> Which I, I super appreciate. And it was great to see on this list. We'll go through some of what the picks are in just a moment. But what I loved about this list is there's a diversity of styles on there. It would have been very yeah. easy just to make this the West Coast gangster rap list or West Coast pop rap. But right. there's a, most of the people who you feel like should be included should be included. 
um, in my opinion, and it and it really touches a lot of different different styles of of West Coast rap. So, what I wanted to do is for each of uh, I don't know every so many numbers, I'll, I'll throw out to you somebody who's on the list a song. You tell me. Properly rated, underrated, overrated. We'll start with you, Nate. 94, The Alcoholics Make Room. Oh, yeah. I, I love this song. Uh, I have the 12-inch. I, uh, I think this is a great song. That's probably about right. Um, yeah. Alcoholics kind of loom large for people like us who were kind of like backpackers. Um, and I think they're a bit underrated in their overall career and how they're thought of. But mm. on a list like this for a publication like this them getting included is the win huge and if, yeah. and if it's a little low seeming because that song is probably better than some of the other things that ranked in the 20s or so just from my sensibility i mean i really feel like with these the new versions of these lists they're really trying to nod to contemporary things the present. Mm-hmm, right. to the present to kind of capture um different types of readers and to maybe have like some of their things go viral but um we mentioned brother lynch right before this he's right before that like rest in piss is such more of a niche song than (laughs) make room make room is like a party anthem it's just like it is fun awesome uh boisterous just career defining thing for the alcoholics so i i maybe on my personal list it would have made it a little higher but on a list like this i think the placement of it is great yeah all right, let's go to number eighty-six. Dave, lyrics born, calling out. I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, I mean, sort of some behind-the-scenes um, action is. Look, I'm a fan of lyrics born. I think that's probably his most well-known song. But I was pushing for a lyrics track, not, yeah. a, not, okay. not a lyrics born track. Okay. You know what I mean? So, and those are sort of, I don't know, the the way things were tallied. I'm, I, I feel like there were some inconsistencies, and, and it's not like they need to be explained to the reader. But um, yeah, I was looking for more lyrics. But you know, the way the the way these um, lists are formed, I mean, it's meant to be provocative and polarizing yeah. and spark debate. Yep. So so I yep. get it, I get it, and I'm glad to see lyrics born on it. Don't get me wrong, um, that song would not rank that high for me personally at all, and yeah. way more other lyric songs before that. Yeah, even uh, I changed my mind. If I was gonna pick a lyrics born solo song, yeah, I changed my mind. Is I changed my mind, lady. Lady don't take no. Uh, yeah. That is a lyric song. That's a oh, that is a lyric song. Yeah, but that was that was my pick for them. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. yeah. Right on. Speaking of of controversy, number eighty four, Sawidi, uh, icy girl song. I've never, I've never heard. I've, that I've of. literally never yeah. heard of that. Do they I say know. she's from Santa Clara in this thing? <laughs> I'm obsessed with the media saying that Saweetie is from Santa it's Clara. It's from Santa Clara. Uh, there, she's referred to as Sacramento's, and that's why I brought it up. Is that uh, like, she from Vallejo? She's from Vallejo. She's from Santa Clara, where she was literally born. Right. They just I've happened been, to be near that hospital when it was time for her to emerge, right? I was in Hayward one day, and these kids were like, Saweetie is from here. So Saweetie is a child of the entire Northern California from Seattle, Phoenix, uh, <laughs> Santa Clara. Good good for her. And um, yeah. she, like, very much lives and works from Atlanta now, right? Yeah, exactly. So that that's where the, the you know, the kind of definitional boundaries start to to get a little weird and also one of the first ones where i'm like oh you know all right um i'm not qualified to say if this is number 84 but it's not number eight this is the crusty (laughs) old man take and i feel bad always using like a woman artist as the foil in this but i'm like 
this song's not better than any Saphir song, let alone right. Light Sleeper, which it ranks higher than on this list. You right, know what I mean? Totally, totally. If we're just Glad talking about like... rapping, it's like, no. Yeah. Right, no, right. no, it's not as good. It might be more popular than it might be more it, representative yeah, of a scene, yeah. but is it better? No, no, it's no. not. Yeah, it's yeah, real, real interesting. I'll I'll ask some of the younger folks. Isn't where Sweetie uh, is. my type the big Sweetie song? Yes. Like, I don't know this song. I've literally never heard this song. Me neither. And that's okay. I don't know, man. I kind of feel well, but at the same time, I'm not tapped in with Sweetie. So Sweetie. So uh, Sweetie fans, touch in with us. Let us know what what we're we, missing. We know here. you're listening. <laughs> we, <laughs> waiting every week to see if we're going to mention your girl. And we finally did. Uh, Dave, this is one of the blurbs you wrote. Number 77, Deltron 3030, the song 3030. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely uh, definitely deserves a mention. Um, but, you know, when I think of Deltron, I, and um, when I think of Deltron, I think of Del, and that makes me think of Hyro. And so um, we mentioned this a little bit um, off mic earlier, but, you know, there's so many different iterations of NWA. It's like, it's like three Ice Cube songs and four Dre songs and it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, and how many Snoop songs and, and you know, um, multiple Kendrick songs. And I felt like other, there should have been a little bit more room made. I understand why there's um, running, um, both far side songs are on there, which I get. Nice. I totally yeah. Get. Yeah. But, um, you know, how about uh, High Rose, You Never Knew? You know, how, why was that left yep. off? Um, make, make a little extra room for that. You know what I mean? And I mentioned also um, the non no, We already covered tapes. Make Room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, non mixtapes, yeah. you know, uh, should yes. have been on. Yeah. Um, that to yep. me was a huge one. And if we're going to let people have two songs, I mean, it's nice to see Freestyle Fellowship 7 Seal, but no Inner City Brios. So yeah. Yeah. just things like that. Um, I wasn't sure how things weight but i'm really glad to see deltron on there i think it's deserving i think that song really has resonated i mean it came out in 1999 dude, so it's yeah old. it's still still ringing bells i think we've said this on the pod before for fans of a certain age that is their uh, uh can, can i mention one that i'm just shocked is on this list and I, it actually sure. made me really happy uh medusa yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that is that is shocking for her to get remembered in a list like this in a mainstream publication they, they literally right. don't even know when the song came out it just says early yeah. 90s yeah, underneath yeah. the thing like i'm sure somebody on the internal team fought hard for that thank you for doing that like medusa is like a staple of the la underground and not someone who ever had a major label deal or you know like right. did anything really notable in a public rolling stony kind of way so right, um, right that's it's it's very cool to see that included and you know the the uh as much as hyro and some of the other stuff we like is not super represented the la underground essentially is represented by like freestyle fellowship and then shoot forward 10 years uh, people under the stairs thanks to dave you know what i right. mean it's like there's right. so many good songs and so much great work that comes out of that so it's just interesting to see what gets uh kind of recognized but yeah, i, I and, think and, there's and a lot of and a, sorry a lot of the um you know a lot of the more sleeper cuts i mean shout out to mosey reeves i mean he made a very uh, concerted effort to be inclusive of stuff that's not gonna just be all nwa you know you know right. it ended up being like that but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> low key, and, low and, key and, all, yeah. and all those nwa songs are very deserving don't get me wrong yeah 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 absolutely um yeah it's interesting i think some of the picks on here i see as like 
um, songs that have legend attached to them. So when I see mm-hmm. Brother LeChung or Medusa, I'm like, those songs have a lore attached to them that is almost as big as the song itself right? in, in some ways. So it was interesting to see that get recognized. Um, number 68, Nate, your Sacramento guy, Mozzie. Blah-da-da. <laughs> Blah-da-da, I mean. Um, what happened to Mozzie, Nate? We had high hopes for Mozzie. We gave him the meh on our ya men <laughs> scale and his career just fell off the cliff. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's never been someone I was particularly interested in. I know his work is important to a lot of people and I will always remember when Kendrick shouted him out um, from the Grammy stage. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it just like seemed like very formulaic uh, gangster rap to me. It's like kind of scary. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, that's just not what I spend my time listening to. I think when we were having that conversation about Mozzie, I was like, yeah, I had to take this off and listen to some Fat Tony. And I just think that's <laughs> everything, everything you need to know about my, uh, sensibilities. And when we hung out with Fat Tony, he's like, yeah, man, more gangster rap for the rest of us. And I don't like, that doesn't yeah, bother yeah. me at all. You know yeah, what right. I mean? Exactly. Uh, uh, what do you guys think of, uh, creation? Gucci Gucci making it on here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't personally like love that song. I had a quick moment with it, but um, you know that that's one of those instances where maybe it's just it needs to be included because it was captured the zeitgeist so hard of a, of yeah. a time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but then it, but then if that's your criteria, then there's other things that we could have brought up too. So yeah, it's kind of hard, man. I, it's a lot of a lot of the I think the uh, rationale behind it doesn't come off linear you know what i mean uh yes. six, 62 kendrick lamar dna that which is the first uh kendrick lamar song that is uh comes up on the list i believe or first or second um i'm always if you had dave if you had to do a kendrick lamar song that that would kind of encapsulate like if you said he should only have one or two what would be your one or two for kendrick I, I think um, I think DNA would be one of mine, and okay. um, and uh, and this one that probably isn't that big um, culturally impactful, but I always really like Section Eighty. Um, yeah. yeah, produced by J Cole, and it was and to me sort of his first um, foray into you know the mainstream. Like I was like, who is this guy? You know what I mean? So, um, but with Kendrick, I mean, he's already had so many career phases. I mean, he's a catalog artist, so I feel like he, you know, you could have just cherry picked with Kendrick any 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 yeah, song I, that I, I would go all right as anthemic right. Mm. moment cut and backseat freestyle as like rapper right. ass rapper cut totally or uh and word mortis i don't know how to you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> <Ninja> mortis um, <laughs> neighbor mortis neighbor mortis uh, mortis head um <laughs> all right 55, Nate, Conscious Daughters, uh, was happy to see it. I know you were, too. Yes. I was happy. I was super happy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's it called? Uh, Yeah, super great. Uh, We were lucky enough to be able to talk to um, uh, the lady whose name I'm forgetting at the moment as I scroll down. The the way this list is laid out just, like, makes my computer want to do the CMG. Of death cmg constantly cmg thank you from yep. uh, conscious daughters a couple of months ago or maybe last year i honestly can't keep track of time anymore um i've always loved this song it was a huge cmc hit 
Yeah. Um, or it's, so I basically saw the video every day after school for a number of years in my very formative um, times. And so, um, yeah, just this is this is the kind of cut that I think would have gotten left off of either a list that skewed too contemporary or too um, kind Old of school, like classical backpacky. Yeah. Um, and so that I just shout out to Mosey Reeves for, um, you know, being a Bay Area head and someone who has a, I think, a pretty similar sensibility about the lineage of what was important at what time and uh, making sure that stuff like this got included because it's not only a really good song, but um, it was important. And it, it, it's, yeah. I, I think, the only place where Paris is going to show up on a list like this. Like, mm -hmm. Paris is a big okay. deal. Paris is like yeah. a, you know, a major label. Uh, Bay Area political rapper like you get some coup I think they did Fat Cats yeah. Big a Fish yeah. which is an amazing song there's probably six coup songs that could have been included um but that sounds about right for them so um yeah it's just like there's there's more to Bay Area rap than Hyro and there's more to LA rap than G-Funk and that's been kind of our like position here is like there's little things that bubbled up from different scenes and um they they, they helped uh, it, this track really sounds like a G funk song. It, yes, like, it has very a much. it has a very yeah. G funk delivery and even production, but it's it's not also. So right, I just right, think that right. that's I, I'm kind of not formulating it correctly, but I think there's a lot to be said about this, and I think that's a nice placement for it. Another song that I think has a nice placement is Freestyle Fellowship Seventh Seal, um, yes. at forty four. I think. I think this rating has to be influenced by the the re-release um, and the attention that that got and making people kind of check for Freestyle Fellowship again. It's actually the- Grammy nomination. Yeah, the Grammy nomination. Um, it's the 30th anniversary of Inner City Griots, which we low-key need to do an episode, but um, it's great to see that uh, Freestyle Fellowship stock in some ways has never been higher. Like mm -hmm. there's more people that I think know about um, how great this was. So Seven Seal would be in my 100 top 10, but I think it's it's pretty cool that uh, where it shows up on this list right here. Dave, you wrote number 42, Straight Up Menace. We had uh, MCA on. Why'd you, why'd you fight for this one? I mean, I didn't have to super fight for it, um, but I mean, it was definitely deserved. I, again, it was just like, I don't know what's going to be kept and what wasn't going to be kept, you know? Yeah. Um, but that song, certainly. But it's like, why that song and, and not A Compton's Most Wanted? Probably because it, it was a bigger hit, you know what I mean? Right. And right. that yeah. one is it, <laughs> and that one is certainly a standout, you know? Um, that one, I'm um, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if it was ranked a little bit higher, but also higher. I, I I get where it was, you know, and and that song's a, a classic for sure, a certified classic. Absolutely. Um, number thirty is an artist who, in some ways, pioneered definitional. It's Ice T's "Colors," Nate. Which mm. did you ever hear this that he wrote it in half an hour? Wow. Uh, I didn't know that about that specific song, but many of the great songs of all time are uh, come from those lightning bolts of inspirations, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Did Did you see the? When did you see the movie Colors, Nate? Or have, uh, not have, until you've seen it? I've years seen later, it, but not until much later. Yeah. Okay. Um, it wasn't like a foundational movie for me. I don't think I was allowed to watch it when I was a kid. Um, you grew or... up in a good home. <laughs> <laughs> I had no my choice. things. Like I watched yeah. New Jack City like every week, but um, that's my that's my Ice T cinematic uh, universe pick. Oh, okay, uh, but yeah, um, it's a pretty 
scary movie and it's it's like the yeah. cops are much scarier than the the gang members so it's realistic um, yeah exactly yeah i feel like this song i guess because of my age the song in the movie where the one example you know how people will go man rap music influences behavior and causes horrible things to happen this song in that movie actually did that like i don't think people <laughs> in my neighborhood understood what those things were before the song in the movie and it became like oh that's what you do this is how gangbanging works it was so visceral and explanatory and scary um so i think well placed on this list uh, i am a nightmare walking becomes a whole other like drum and bass techno freaking song like this song is just was huge in uh, in my upbringing shout out to ice t who's been a cop on tv longer than he's been a rapper <laughs> which is <laughs> which is in some ways insane uh dave number 28 i was going to ask you if you were involved it doesn't look like it but number 28 keep the sneak super hyphy um that was very heartwarming to see i hey, i often wonder me. like what's how far out that song rippled because it was definitely a big right. deal here at a certain time and of course shout out to my man uh tracks a million rest in peace but um yeah, great to see, right? And we got to talk to Keith too. I'm only picking people who have been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely great to see. And you know, I was thinking, um, you know, during the making of this list in terms of representation for Tracks a Million as well. And when when I um, saw this song, it it just made me think of when we were, when we were at Hyro Day and you were talking to him. You know what I mean? And yeah. how gracious he was with his time. And um, that song certainly resonates. So I'm glad to see Hyphy get, um, you know, uh, get a little placement on placement on here amongst like. 30 Snoop songs. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> is uh, Captain Savaho the only E40 or Click song that's on here? I Am believe I so. This correctly? I believe so. Right. That's a little right. shocking. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, tell me when to go. Like, blow the whistles. Number yeah. 10, but uh, right. tell and me when to go doesn't exist. Like, that's and there's, a little and weird. There's, there's two, two short songs. I think Freaky Tales is the other one, which, yes. yeah, sure, of course. But yeah. one E40 cut? I don't I know. I know. That's, oh, that's a little shocking. Even well, a guest that, appearance? Well, it's interesting that Tell Me When To Go is not featured, but Super Hyphy is. Yeah. Maybe yeah. It it's an either it's, or for them. Yeah. And, and I would, and you know, I mean, I have my favorite, but I would assume they would pick the bigger song. It's produced by Little John. I don't know if that maybe took away from it. It was produced by Little John. I don't know. Mm. Very interesting. But I'll tell you what, if there was a song, and I think there's a video of this at Rolling Loud one year where there's like a melee breaking out and then Tell Me When To Go comes on and everybody just stops and starts dancing if there's a song <laughs> that like can move people to action um in this region in this 50 mile radius it definitely tell me where to go or even i've heard it played in la too so yeah very also the, the interesting. like shockingly highly placed on this list uh feeling myself by mac dre <laughs> yeah. hey I, I love that song but i mean I'm yeah i like that song too high. and i like had my time where i just did not get the whole mac dre phenomenon and i'm probably a bigger fan of his now than i ever was back same, when he was same. certainly alive or or popular but there's a couple mac dre lines that just rattle around in my head all day and i just did not think that was possible when i was working at the record store selling so many of his cds to the dumbest <laughs> people in the world yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Uh, yeah, lots of barrier representation. Uh, cannot be mad from that standpoint. Uh, number 13, Tupac's California Love. Uh, this is one of my <laughs> least favorite. Thank you. Dave spoke from the insides of me. Uh, <laughs> I just always dislike that song. I hate it's just song. played out, dude. It's, it's played out. I, just, I never liked it to begin with, though, and it's it's like a forced anthem. 
You know what I mean? Yes. I, I, I can't take it. Um, I would have loved to see To Live and Die in L.A. before that any day. Uh, I was in L.A. three months ago and, and I heard it playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, it's to me the worst of Dr. Dre's instincts. He does this rap like when you would answer the phone and try to be an adult back in the day. <laughs> like he has this like... <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Dr. Dre still got it. Duh, duh, duh. Like, dude, just right. And sometimes it's cool, and then on some beats, it just drives me crazy. And this is one of those. Um, I used to get in it, arguments with people about just saying like Dr. Dre is not a good rapper, and like, what do you mean he's got like the number one song? And I'm like, yeah, technically, no. he's not right. even a rapper. He's no, such I, a great producer, and he needed to have a persona, so that's why he raps. Like now, right. the movie has come out, and everyone I think acknowledges that more. But back then, me having to have conver- trying to have conversations with people who only like watched MTV, I'm just like, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Like DOC yeah, is all. a good rapper, Dr. Yeah, Dre I, is a bad rapper, but the, like <laughs> I understand why he's your the artist you like, and he introduced you to this whole sensibility, and mm-hmm. you know, got you wearing dickies or whatever. But it's like that doesn't make his rapping from a technical standpoint good and the the way you no. just described it is super funny to me uh, yeah uh, i i think i think i'm good on i mean he, he had his moments but he was also smart enough to always have the best ghost writers like right he's right. he's not he's not dumb in the in the rappers who in the non-rappers rapping i would put him ahead of diddy um me too yeah but not yeah. too much it's yeah. it's it's close to there um number seven another song that maybe i just got worn out on over time is Ice Cube's Today Was a Good Day. Mm. Um, I still love that song, I have to say. Yeah. The, the, the beat is so sunny and the loop is so perfect. It's never really gotten old for me. And like, um, yeah, I, I just, I think that that is a very good representation of what West Coast rap sounds like. I think so too, I think so too. And I think that song has resonated for generations. I was actually at a karaoke bar a few weeks ago some some drunk Mexican guy got on stage and did it. Everybody was rapping along. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. just feel good and sunny. And to your point, Nate, yeah, just really encapsulates the West Coast sound, I think. So that song should be ranked high and was one of the first to pop into my head as it probably did with everybody else. I mean, definitely has the the sound of uh, when you would think of what like this, what the quintessential West Coast sound would be like. Um, Even though sure. I don't think the Isley Brothers are from the West Coast, which is funny. Yeah. Um, nor is George Clinton, which he right. plays looms huge in the in the sound. Huge, um, yes. The the backpack era has has been fully vindicated. Number five, Souls of Mischief, ninety three till infinity. I can't believe. Obviously, this is an all time great song. I can't believe the staying power of it. Like it is yeah. still super relevant. Like to well, it wasn't like ninety five to ninety eight, dude. It's gonna last forever. <laughs> <laughs> They lined it up 30 year anniversary of 93 till this year. Like, so it's, yeah, I believe they are still on that tour where I looked and, at the tour of lineup and like literally worried for their health. Totally. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. It, took, it took me three weeks uh, to recover from when we went to Pomona or whatever. One these time, are, yeah. These guys are doing 93 days of that in a row and, and actually performing. That's crazy. crazy. They're, they're touring till they're 93. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man uh shout out to souls of mischief it was it was cool to catch up with uh a plus at high road day and and uh just talk about the making of that amazing song um number four machiavelli featuring the outlaws hail mary um sure. oh, hi. yeah you know, you know could sure. have easily been 54 or 94 like is this 
Tupac's best song? Is it? Right. Is it? Is it the eerie? I, that's where I go back to the narrative attached to it. Like, is it? You know, in a, I, in a I, bit... I, this song has probably the most crimes committed to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, if you want to get in like a dark headspace and go do something yeah. you're not supposed to be yeah. doing, it's a great. What a, you know, yeah. uh, athletes listen to like songs to like pump themselves pump them up. up. This yeah. is like to pump up a shotgun, dude. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a dark, very fucking dark song. Um, yeah, I did. I this is not my favorite era of Pac. I'm like, I think, I think I get around is on here, or no, they yeah. did, uh, no, yeah, is. they did, yeah, yeah. That, that's to me, that, I'm like, that's that's what I like, but I was 13 years old, I was like, hey, great video, you know, like, mean? right. yeah, uh, super, super dark and spooky song. Um, all right, number two, NWA straight out of Compton. Um, I kind of perused here. Does fuck the police come up on this one? It does. It, okay, it earlier. Is. Okay, it is. Yeah, it's it's okay. on a little bit earlier, and I think both of those arguably could be could be chosen as the number one song. Either of those, I think, and I, I can see why nothing but a Jew thing was picked as well. But I mean, in terms of like foundational importance and coming out of the gates kicking, yeah, um, fuck the police or straight out of Compton. I mean, straight out of Compton is, um, you know, a cacophonous or origin story that you know kickstarted everything. Yeah, yeah, and I think by mentioning Compton and being like very place based, um, not only did it inspire the whole CB4 movie, um, <laughs> yeah. it just like um, it really put the West Coast on the map in a different way, like very pun, very much intended, um, and like it kind of <laughs> shift the polarity between New York right. and LA, um, which mm. later Dr. Dre would fully cement yeah. that takeover, and just he started. Um, it's so it's such an interesting like what if of like what if another song besides g thing was the one that corporations like mtv like mm -hmm. really really got behind like what mm -hmm. like what like it just it just it's so interesting that g-funk became the music of white suburbia like it was yeah. not meant for or intended yeah. to in any way and it just totally did myself included yeah. um and it's just so interesting what if some other song had been like the machine had been put behind and all that narrative of all the breakup of nwa and right. Ray emerging on his own and his like you know mastery of um playing the studio and how pristine the music sounded there's so much right. that goes into it that besides just geography but that's when like if people recognize west coast rap as a thing and it all starts here uh, yeah long, long way around for the point but you yeah no no a hundred percent i think it, it changes to me it's a before and after record like things came out before and they sound how they sound and then things came out after i feel like this is dre's um you know it's been said like a good vibrations type of song except it was like really lurid but it is so happy and so fun. That mixture was just too potent. Like if you mm -hmm. could talk about dark things and somehow make them seem bright and happy at the same time, uh, rap has never recovered. And I think that's a, it's a solid number one pick. I mean, if, I if you so. want to talk about, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I actually, it, it's a very good song. I'm not sick of it, which is really saying something in the, mm -hmm. in this top 10, top 15, you're kind of getting to the, for me who thinks about rap all day, I, I'm sick of it for a lot of them, but not, not this one really. Um, yeah. I, I still, you, and it's such a summary song. Like the video yeah. has a ton to do with this. Like I just, mm -hmm. I'll you never forget being like 12 years old and being like, yeah, someone someday I'm going to have a fridge full of forties. <laughs> I, I need to get my own place so I can start working on this vision. It's like, how much are forties? How long am I going to have to save up my allowance? 
I think I could get a fridge pretty easily. It's like, that was just like the coolest thing to me. It, it really was. And, and really kind of, I think the song video can't be discounted, right? And how right. pre-internet, like something being viral or memed, uh, unfortunately, the girl getting sprayed with the 40s is also kind of a meme of that time, right? Um, and help kind of propel the thing to be as huge as it was. I too wanted the fridge full of 40s, but or, or at least full of two liters of grape soda. That would have been, been my party. Slightly more attainable goal. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, shout out to you, Dave, for being a part of it, for advocating. Yeah, dude, super awesome. Um, oh, appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Yeah, um, shout out to Mosey and uh, Christopher Weingard and John Dolan and the rest of the team. It was a, it, it was a really fun thing to do. I'm, I'm always here for it. Again, you know, you realize it's supposed to be polarizing, you know, but it's supposed to be like a springboard for discussion and uh, certainly gave us um, some room to talk. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to see some other artists on there and some less duplicates of artists. But besides that, I think it's a very uh, thoughtful list. Yeah, as yeah. I say, every time we do one of these discussing the list shows, uh, it worked. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here, exactly. here we are taking, talking. talking about it, you know, like we could talk about it for hours and oftentimes have but e even before i realized that dave uh that the dm initials in this stood for david Ma, <laughs> um, I, I was like this is a pretty good list yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's solid it has a lot mm -hmm. of good representation of a lot of things that i personally think are important and that are oh, very totally. underground um yeah. and that's that's what's important to me is that it's not yeah. that sales don't dictate quality Right. Um, and I place no faith in the majority or however the rest yeah. of the goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, very... what Nate is basically saying is that when he saw Tiger Rack City, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> it was legit. Yeah, um, it all come together. Real quick, really happy to see JJ Fat on there. And, yes. uh, real, ha real happy to yeah. see um, Egypt Egypt on there as well. Yes. So, I mean, yep. yep. Uh, Radio and Joe Cooley also making the, yes, the top 20. Yes, uh, yes, I would have yes. gone with You Don't Hear Me, though, but they weren't hearing me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Too much bass. All right. Um, okay, Everlasting I, Nate. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, you know, there was Kid Frost on there. Wouldn't have yep. minded a little lighter shade of brown either. Okay. Yes, totally. Oh, wow. Is Kid yeah. Frost the only? No, Cypress Hill. I was going to be like, is he the only Latino rapper? But Cypress Hill was in the list as well. Right, totally. Um, um, okay. And also, um, you know, since we're on that topic, um, would have loved to see an AC Alone song from Book of Human Language. And yeah, sure. would, have, sure. would have loved a little uh, P.B. Wolf and Charisma as well. Or P.B. Wolf and The Riz. Yeah. <laughs> the Riz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so dope. That's oh. so funny. Um, uh, Lord, Lord Quaz is on here at 52. Yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, sorry. Strange, right? very well, weird choice yeah. uh i feel like that was a how do we get mad lib on this list pick and yeah. that that yeah. song in particular is not the representative thing of his career that was very yeah. strange to me where yeah. it is in the list and the song choice, the song that was even, chosen even to a certain extent kind of the write-up of like and here's who mad lib is um uh, they just i was like huh okay Obviously, he's on there though. One of in, one of the heroes it. of the West Coast, and you know, like Oxnard. In I guess that's probably the only Oxnard song. Oh, um, Oxnard okay. has such a you know we've discussed outsized impact. On the show, yeah, just yeah. a huge impact for such a small community. But yeah, that felt that felt odd. I have mm -hmm. to say. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, we we appreciate Rolling Stone for doing the list. You create listicles. We'll create content. 
Let's uh, throw to our interview, though, this week. We have uh, an artist from a, a collective that is kind of West Coast, I don't know, pollinated, uh, but had folks from across across the country involved talking about Anticon. We have Jell join us uh, for a dope conversation. So let's get into that. Dad bod, rap pod. Dad bod rap pod every week we talk to people who have moved and shaped hip-hop culture this week is no different joining us in zoom we have gel of anticon how's it going man good man thanks for having me definitely yeah 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 where are you joining us from today i'm just chilling in west oakland california right now hey. uh, up in my little attic apartment i got uh just recently so I'm, I'm in a comfortable zone at this moment that's that's beautiful man thanks for coming on um Let's let's take it back to the beginning. Uh, Anticon as as a as a movement. Um, I remember, you know, being in San Jose and kind of hearing bits and pieces about it. But can you talk a little bit about the the formation of of Anticon and kind of how how you fit into that whole origin story? Yeah, I mean, not to get too deep uh, into the past, but I can maybe sum it up quickly. Uh, uh, in high school, I formed a rap crew, met up with Kevin Beecham because um, he was in Waukegan, Illinois, and I was in Gurney. Uh, he was managing our rap crew. For a minute, him and Jaybird were doing street promotion stuff for like Loud and everything going down to the city of Chicago and, um, and, and just working clubs and radio stations and stuff like that. Kevin got a radio station. Uh, he got a show at Northwestern University, Time Travel, which he had for ever. Uh, um, and I, when it was like five years, I, th I think, before he went over to Rhyme Sayers. So being with Kevin, he introduced me and a lot of my friends in high school to a lot of different rap. And we went down to Atlanta because he was working on Caught in the Middle magazine in 95. I think we were all about 15 at the time. All, all my friends were all the same grade and in, in the same rap crew called Mental Block. And um, I was a DJ in those three MCs. Uh, from, from, from Atlanta, he did a couple of interviews with a couple Chicago artists that were down there. And then when we were coming back home, we just took a dip off to Cincinnati to meet up um, Mr. Dibbs. And then from there, started a crew with Dibbs called Alias, which has nothing to do with Brendan Whitney's alias. This is like, we spelled it with a Y. It was this cat, uh, Dame One, Plead the Fifth, my homie Diallo, um, two MCs and me and Dibbs. I, I did the beats, Dibbs was a DJ. So from there, I started going down to Cincinnati and then Dibbs hooked up and did a show in Memphis with Soul and Mood Swing 9, like, a couple years, or maybe, like, a year after that. It was, like, pretty close. Then Scribble started popping off, and we were going down to Scribble every, for the first 95, it was, like, three three times Scribble happened. So we went down there, like, three times, and then, and then it was an annual thing. So from that, bringing down Rhyme Sayers, and then we linked up with Soul through Dibs. Uh, I met Dose One through Dibs. And then uh, Soul brought all the people... 
like he, he moved out to California and started Anticon. We were in the process of working on Deep Portal Dynamics at that time with with Slug from Atmosphere up in the Rhymesayer studio and stuff. So like it was all just like a good two years of us just like scrambling around the Midwest. Everybody's bouncing everywhere, and then Soul convinced us all to um, start the record label, him and Pedestrian, and they both came up with the name. And then Tim Soul was out in in Oakland, San Francisco at the time, working tech jobs, and he's like, "Let's just come out here. It's Silicon Valley boom, and everybody can just do tech jobs, and we can make money in and put money into putting into our record label." And that's pretty much. But we did, you know, with a lot of different fall throughs. We signed with TRC for a and d and they ripped us off. And then we stole a bunch of their people to start a distribution company, which got us our distribution. And then we set up Anaconda's full label, I'd say, in 2000, I don't know, one or something like that. So a lot of shit happened from 98, 99 to 2000, 2001, with Anaconda moving from all over the country to Oakland and San Francisco, you know. That's that's it in a little as as short as I can make it, you know. <laughs> Yo, man, thank you for um, going over that history for us. Um, yeah. Very, com very compelling stuff, and it's, it seems like a, a big web of a lot of people that um, you know we, we certainly have heard of. But um, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Alias, and I just want to um, quickly um, just give you a second to talk about uh, Brendan Whitney, aka Alias. Um, yes, just that's for people who exactly just for you know for folks who don't know about him and his work. Um, can you just take a second to like talk about him a little bit? I you know, I mean, I think his history is a little bit overshadowed, and any chance yeah. we get to sort of uh, you know shout him out, I'd love to do do so. Well, personally, like like I met him through Soul, and the first time I met him was when we were starting the Deep Puddle uh, recordings at, at Slugs Crib in in Minneapolis. I remember him and Mayonnaise like drove out, and I was or I was like going up the street to get some food or something like that, and we were coming back to the spot at the same time, and. And I was like, okay, these dudes look like they're going to the same spot. And we kind of met in the street. And I just, off the bat, I was like, wow, they're really nice, cool dudes. Let's go ahead and get to know each other. Your souls, homies, it's all good. But Brent, through the years, was just like one of the most beautiful people, man. Like, he's huge. He was like 6'3 or something like that. Very wide linebacker looking <laughs> motherfucker. But was like big heart. It's just super nice. Never, never want to get into a fight, but he'd have your back if some shit went down, you know, but... Um, yeah, he's the homie, man, and he just was, he was struggling a lot between, um, wanting to rap and wanting to be a producer, but he mm. was dope at both, in my opinion, and that's why, you know, he did the muted thing, like, he was, he's like, I'm not gonna rap anymore, I'm not, I'm not, the, I don't feel myself as such a good rapper, but then everybody's like, shut the fuck up, homie, like, you know, you did the instrumental album, keep on with rapping, so, yeah, Bren was just, he, he went too, too soon before his time, and he just got better and better with his production, and his and his, his his rhyming as well. Like it's just like uh, I don't know. I listen back to his stuff. I'm like, damn, he was just like surpassing a lot of us at a point because he was really getting digging into like electronic stuff mm -hmm. over the sample bass and all the breakbeat stuff. But he still was adding layers of of like shit that we weren't fucking with back then. Which is still, I'm just like, damn, man. If he was here now, what I would I don't know what he'd be doing. Like he'd be on mm -hmm. some other level of shit, you know. So. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for talking about your friend. He seems to have been uh, universally respected and admired by everyone who came into contact with him, at least as far as I can tell. So, um, yeah. thanks for that. He never and, had uh, any, any beef with anybody. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Greenball. I know you've uh, turned it into a series, but it was uh, an, an album that I kept in my 
crate uh, or my DJ bag uh, back in the day. I think it, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, as a standalone instrumental project, how did you decide what to keep and what to use and who to give to rappers and how to make your first statement, um, you know, that was widely available? Let's just talk about it a little bit. All right. Well, Greenball originally came out of this first, my first like Scribble Jam uh, instrumental tape I did called MCs dot 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 who needs them. I mean, that's apostrophe E-M. You know, like, who needs them? Who needs MCs when he's got beats? And that was just my little funny shit for Scribble Jam because it was just instrumentals. But it, the whole thing was like, I want to pass these out to MCs that wanted to rap over my beats. So it was just kind of my, me demoing that shit. And I remember the first time I showed that to, uh, I, I was going to give him one the piece from Freestyle Fellowship. And he just looked at me. He's like, what the fuck does this mean? And I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm not dissing MCs, man. I'm just saying, like, this is just all instrumental. There ain't no words on it, and, you know. So, and, and it didn't d- deter me from doing what I was doing. I just found that funny because piece is, he's quite uh, straightforward, <laughs> especially when you meet him for the first time. So, um, but uh, yeah. So then we moved to Oakland, and we were gonna go back to Scribble Jam, and I was like, I'm gonna do another beat CD, and uh, I just found a record. It had a bunch of planets on it, and I cut out or like I kind of uh, photoshopped one side. I was like, that's just a circle. It's Neptune, or it's one of the one of the planets without rings that they don't show you. They have rings anyway. Uh, and I just kind of flipped the color of it, and made it green, made it look cool. And then we're sitting there, and it's like me and Soul and Mayonnaise and maybe Alias. And I was like, like, what are you gonna call it? And I was like, well, it's a green ball. Let's call it Green Ball. And then we all just started fucking laughing. And I was like, that started the Green Ball series just because I was just, the name of the title was just what the image was on the cover, pretty much, you know. But 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 the concept of it was, yeah, it was basically just just instrumentals. And the first, the first Green Ball I put out was had a lot of instrumentals from like Slug and Sage and Dose and like all that. So I was like, these have never been released without vocals, so I'm just going to put them out without vocals. So, yeah. So that's what Green Ball's been. And then as the green balls go on, I just will make new beats that if they don't get used for anything, I'll just compile them into the next one. You know, they just get rolled into the next green ball. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, when I first heard about Anticon as a, as a crew, um, it definitely tracked on to what I, I understood to be part of like a West coast rap movement. And like later on learning folks were from all over the place. I'm wondering if, there was any change in your sound or approach when you came from the Midwest and kind of got situated in the Bay? Did that have a an effect on you kind of artistically? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people we met definitely made an influence on us and the way our music was going. But it, it wasn't, I'd say, from a Bay, like, rap or hip-hop perspective because, um, I mean, we all love 40 and a click and fucking short you know all the old school shit and hieroglyphics of course you know i mean digital underground like we're super fans of all that but it didn't change us to make music like that or even like some mac dre and some like you know like early bass shit uh nicotina none of that it, it was like we met people from amoeba like the homie dax who was in you know themselves subtle and 13 and god uh, he worked at, at Amoeba and so did most of the people from Subtle, but they put us more onto like indie rock stuff and like, and, and Can, and I mean, actually I found Can before Dax, but like Noi and like, I don't know, just, just, it was just a whole genre of, uh, I mean, just a whole gambit of all the genres and not, nothing popular, all the, the weird quirky shit, you know, like even to like Modest Mouse, Built a Spill, like uh, fucking Pinback, like, I'm sorry, I'm popping the piece, but 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 yeah, just everything, and that influenced us 
uh, in the way we were making our our hip hop music that we were considering back then. So that that was a big influence, definitely from the Bay, you know. But yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, one of the first times I saw you guys live, specifically you, probably very early uh, 2000s, and um, you were doing the live finger drumming stuff. And, you know, yeah. if you if you go on Instagram now, everybody does that. And I feel yeah. like you might have been the first person that I've seen do that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, just getting that started, what the reaction was like and kind of how it is now? Because I feel like you're one of the first people who kind of ever did that, at least at least to my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, well, it came, when it comes down to like, I guess, live, I, I can't say I didn't really go to any hip hop shows in the 80s or the, or, or the early 90s, <laughs> for real. Like even like Bomb Squad was doing that in the studio. I mean, a lot of like Marley Marl was the first one to cut the drums up. And, but, and so I started with the SP 1200 and I thought that it like that that's all Marley and, and even Premier had back in the day. So I was like, how the fuck did I get this shit to sound like that? So I tried forever to try to like make my beats is is you know as intricate and unique as theirs were on my own tip but um i'm getting back to the finger drumming it was pretty much uh me and dose doing live themselves routines and it was just me and him and i was like i'm not i'm not a dj per se i can cut i can scratch i can fucking blend i can do all that but not live i do that in the studio to add to the music i'd rather i always wanted to be a drummer anyway but uh, so i would bring my sp 1200 I would like drop a record, have a disc loaded with drums, four banks of drums, and just play drums over the top of some like instrumental, weird, seventies or sixties ambient album or whatever. It had some rhythm to it and dose of rap. And then I load up the beat from the SP, and then he'd do the song from the SP. I drop another one, and then when that was going, I'd load up a beat. So I was just doing this back and forth from the SP to the turntables and playing over the top with with the SP, but then my buttons started flying off the SP because you're not really supposed to smack on them that hard, you know? And then uh, we formed Subtle, and I was playing that live within Subtle um, with a six-piece band, and then Dose got an MPC, and I started using that. So I got the 2000 XL, and that was just way more fluid and, and like, you know, like for me to just tap out shit with the rubber pads. And um, from that point on, I just, like my, I just did a live set uh, at the Golden Bowl here in, Oakland on Friday with, with M. Saeed and uh, this lady, uh, Mars Kumari. Dope ass show. We killed. All three of us killed. But it's the same NPC um, that I've had for fucking 15 years. And, and it's got dirt and sweat all over from tour and shit like that. But it, it's it's my axe. You know what I'm saying? Like I, the 2000 XL is like the, my, my favorite. But yeah, the, the response people were just like, holy shit, he's tapping drums out live, you know? And then I just got with the NPC, I could just do more shit. I can start freaking each sound and, and like remixing myself. And that's kind of what I do every time I play live now is just like a, I'll have a set of songs. I'll have two or three albums. I'll just pop into anything and I'll just play freestyle over the top of it with like 808s or whatever breaks I got, you know, and usually it turns out pretty fun. So that's awesome, man. Does M. Saeed stay in Oakland these days? Oh, no, he lives in Paris. Okay. Yeah, he moved to Paris a few years back, I, I guess. I mean, I just got to know him and meet him. Like, he's such a great dude. Like, super oh. chill. Super chill dude, man. Like, yeah, such a we, huge fan of his and theirs. Yeah. I mean, he, he killed. Like, I'm, I'm. we just shot a video with my homie Zach from Handsmade, who's putting out a bunch of different music out of Oakland. I mean, not out of Oakland. He's from Oakland, but he puts out vinyl and tapes for, you know, like, uh, he did the, I think he did the couch shit with uh, Mestizo and... Controller Seven. He did the oh, Alpha gotcha. stuff. He's doing all the Buck stuff. Not all of it, but he's doing some Buck Sixty Five stuff coming up. Uh, he did King of Drums, I think, as well. But um, yeah. So uh, 
I lost my train of thought on that. Yeah, no, no, uh, the, the oh, next we're, question we're, is coming. Yeah, we're, shoot, we're, we're shooting a video, so he's awesome. got a new video coming, and and I'll be in it. Oh, that's so small, cool. small little little part, but you know, it, it, nice, really, really. Good uh, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about the Presage record. I've always been a fan of that record. I used to go to the Future Primitive parties, and Doze's live painting was very much a part of the show and i have a lot of positive memories associated with that time of you know being with my friends and being exposed to art and new kinds of music um that's a wild record you and mr dibs uh put together can you tell people about it maybe that's one they haven't heard as much yeah. about um me and dibs just like like bring it back to the beginning of that story like we met dibs in 95 me and kevin beach and my, my first rap group and um from there me and dibs just started like digging for breaks with each other i was bringing records down all the time from chicago to cincinnati and he was on this behold a pale horse tip and and illuminati stuff like definitely around the same time um and he was putting me onto it and he was like yo we're gonna we should do an instrumental album and just like expose all the masons and everybody and i was like yeah fuck it, let's do it like you know and the whole time we were doing the album He's like, we're going to hell for this shit, man. They're going to fucking, they're going to sh shove fucking burning spears up our ass. And I'm like, you know, Brad's, Mr. Dibs is quite a character when it comes to just him talking to you. Anyway, he's he's a homie, but he's crazy when he wants to be. But um, yeah, so we just started doing it. And, and he, you know, I just brought a whole bunch of crates of records down. And and that's, I met Dose for the first time doing Presage, Brad Dibs met him at a Latiric show in Cincinnati. It was like Latiric's and Shadow and then Dose was freestyling with Lyrics Born and, and Latif in the back wearing this like bright orange camouflage full body suit. <laughs> I think I saw footage of that shit. But they were all they all like got along and, and were, were spitting like and impressing each other. And then so Dibs was like, yo, this dude, we need to put him on the album. So the only MC verse is is Dose on that. And um yeah, and then he was like shopping around. He already talked to Hurley he, um, from Future, Future Primitive Sound um, about doing a project. So we just pitched it to him, and then he started. He pressed it, and we got like mastered through Jack Dangers up in Marin, Meat Beat Manifesto, dude. And and then the first time I ever came to California was was that show at the Justice League uh, with Dose and Dibs and 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 Dose doing because then. You know, Mark was like, Doze is going to do the, he's on that same tip. He wants to do the artwork. And we're like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. So it just, it all just kind of fell into place and it happened. So, you know, and we, I, we haven't gone to hell yet. So Brad, get ready. <laughs> oh, it's still early. Um, So, uh, you know, it's, it's almost pulling up on like 20 years since Endicon really broke on the scene. And I know it's hard to kind of evaluate these things while you're still working because you're still active. But do you ever think about, the legacy like do you see artists and you're like you know you could tell that they that they kind of uh cut their teeth on on y'all music does that does that resonate with you at all yeah i mean i mean because i've i've we yeah we started touring and, and and actually going to europe and japan like in the early 2000s so we met a lot of people you know like like the boards of canada told us they're like we we're doing what y'all are doing and and like wow we got inspired by the anacon shit and the mush shit that y'all were doing and they were doing music before, but they were just like, we got to become good friends with them. Like same thing with like Mike Patton from like he stepped to us. He was like, "Yo, you guys are doing like what? You remind me of when we were at Bungle." And I was like, "Ah, it's nothing like <laughs> Bungle." But but he 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 started working with with us because of that because we had the same kind of like fuck it energy going on with our with our music. 
Um, but but people that have, you know, like, yeah, I, we signed a lot of folks, you know, that were fans and we signed, we, we missed some chances on some people with, with Anaconda. It's probably better for them because they're hugely famous now and, and, and we had to close up shop. So, you know, uh, like, like I, I don't know, man. Come on, spill it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've just dropped two, like like Death Grips and Grimes. Both were, were two yeah. artists that stepped to us, and yeah. we, we all didn't agree on it, or who was running the label at the time didn't pass the information off, so we just didn't even vote on those mm. artists. But finding out later, it's like, oh, no shit. And I was like, well, good for them. They didn't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fucking awesome. I mean, we, did, we did put out some Zach Hill, one album of his, too, from, from Death Grips, but because he's a homie in Sacramento, close by, so like we toured with him and shit. And I remember when Hella first came out, everyone I knew was obsessed with his drumming. It's just like the next level shit, man. He's a fucking psychopath on the drums, man. <laughs> he would sweat through his, we did a tour on the West Coast with him, and he would sweat through his entire outfit every night and just leave it in the corner. And one, the first <laughs> night I, I grabbed his clothes, I was like, yo, you left that shit. And he was like, dude, he just started laughing. He was like, just leave it there. And he's like, I'm gonna go buy a new pair of pants tomorrow. He's like, just, just, my clothes are, are just soaked and I'm not taking them back to the hotel, you know. Oh man, that that's super. Thanks for sharing that story. Uh, as we kind of round home here, um, what what you got? What you got in the works for the uh, for the future? Well, um, I've got uh, a bunch of little little joints or like projects I'm working on with a couple people. I'm working with um, my homie uh, Asan Swanberger and and his his girl. Uh, he go, they're, it's Bugs and Pockets is their crew. They're out of, they're up in Seattle now. I mean, Swamps from Soliloquous of Sound, like down with Da Vinci and. And the whole Florida crew, but like, he's got something going on up there. I'm, I'm, I sent them some beats. I'm sending some shit like M. Said and me are gonna work soon. Definitely after meeting. Um, I, I got like five, five or six joints with with Tokyo Cigar. Definitely. Oh, like he, sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, we've been since him and Dave or No Stam hooked up and started doing music. Tokyo was like, "Yo, can, let me let me holler at you. So we just started working as well. I'm a big uh, fan of his. That's exciting to hear. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a funny dude man i actually have like long conversations with him he's, he's a good guy and is he's just got the most weird unique you know kind of wu-tang flow going on in a way you know uh and he wouldn't be disrespected if i said that because he's a super fan uh but uh mike fish another homie from from the bay that i've, I've got a few like we might do an ep maybe a full album but we're, we're always hanging out so we're just slowly working on stuff uh but then there's also uh, the North American Adonis that we're me, Buck sixty five, and and Dose are now just getting into because um, mm. we we did that album back in ninety eight, ninety nine, and one side of it got erased on our VS eight eighty, so we just kind of scrapped the project. We have like the first side that we did on a, a Tascam tape, and it's really shitty because I think we had the Dolby off for the vocals when we should have had it on. It's just like the mix is so stupid, crazy. So we all three of us just decided to grab a bunch of those old beats, make some new stuff and just create a whole new North American Adonis. So that's like Buck just dropped, started dropping vocals. Dose has already got like three or four songs kind of done with the vocals. <clears throat> they're going to send it back to me and then we'll work the whole thing out. But then there's the the next alpha uh, with Mestizo and Dose that I, me and Mediogre are going to uh, collab on that for the production. Nice. Uh, and hopefully this summer coming up. And then the next themselves shit, me and Dose and I are also talking about doing a fourth themselves album uh in coming in the middle of this year into the end of it just you know wrapping up the other projects and stuff so staying busy it's trying to yeah i haven't worked like this in a couple of years i just i moved down to southern california and worked a weed job with my girl and it 
and that fell to shit, and we had to come back to the Bay. So I'm like, I'm getting back to the music, man. I've been hey, that's, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Well, Joe, we appreciate you making the time to chat with us, man. Be well. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks, man. Peace, man. Peace. conversation with gel um cool of him to to make some time i'll I'll be honest and say i wasn't super familiar with his work before we did the interview Mm. but he has some amazing videos on youtube of live production yeah yeah, uh, stuff which is just um i was super impressed and spanning back years like he has stuff he's done recently too that i thought was was pretty dope so yeah it was dope to get uh, some of his time Really yeah, I was, I was a, and I think Dave is too, a big fan of his first instrumental LP, Green Ball. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think either of us were particularly into Anacon as a cultural movement, but some of the music is undeniable. And that, that's always been one where I can point to her. I'm like, I was never super into that, but I really right. like this. Yeah. And uh, he did an album. I can't remember if we talked to him about it. We're recording this outro a little while after we talked to him. Um, is he did this album called 10 Seconds where he mm-hmm. did um, everything in the SB 1200, which has uh, the sample time of 10 seconds or something about it with 10 seconds. And then uh, A-Track just recently did like a house album all in the SB 1200. Oh, wow. the same theme with that huh. same title. So like oh, in wow. the very dusty corners of hip hop Twitter, you'd see people being like, "Hey, dude, did you know Jill did that too?" And he was like, "I literally had no idea, but thank you for telling me." Oh, yeah, um, that's cool, so, man. Yeah, I yeah, totally. I, re- I remember seeing Jill do his like MPC live, and that was pretty mind blowing back, you know, nineteen ninety eight or whatever. And uh, it's really cool to see, you know, his backstories. Um, you know, when it comes to Anacon, um, I've I, I'm fans of their production more so. Um, I like Alias and I like Jill. Um, some of the stuff that Controller 7 did when he was affiliated with them. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to talk to him, man. Um, it's cool that he's still out there doing his thing. Um, I like some of the production he did for Sage Francis back in the day. So yeah. it's really cool to get a moment of his time and, you know, and talk to um, one of my favorite producers from the Anacon production stable. Yeah, and to, to kind of get some of the backstory on, on the crew was cool too. So shout out to Jell. Um, shout out to you, the listener who has kept rocking with us for 267 straight episodes. Uh, the best way to get involved with us is on the Patreon, right, Nate? Um, new Fly Sporadic. What does it pair best with in terms of if you were going to have a meal to your latest Fly Sporadic, mm, what, what would the pairing question. be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe like a massaged kale salad. If you're going to serve kale raw, you have to really get in there. And well, really, some right. Cell Am I right? Balls. Yeah. Um, maybe like some slivered almonds, maybe some cramp, like dried cranberry vibes, a little mustard okay. vinaigrette. Um, mm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, for a protein, I don't know, like uh, maybe like a, a crispy chicken thigh. 
Okay. Yeah, get this, get this, start this pan on uh, low and get the skin rendering and cook it like 90% on the skin side and then flip it at the and last minute, kind of like a piece of fish. See, you you get so much game here. You should release <laughs> the fly sporadics with recipes, Nate. That was all a plant. Uh, Dad bought snack pod may live after all. I'm just saying, uh, tap into the Patreon if and when Nate starts doing his his recipe talks. You used to say that my Dim's Gems intros were like um, were like those recipe blogs. Uh, which completely gutted me and was hilarious. <laughs> Where you just want them to get to the point and tell them how many cups kind of flour or whatever. Kind of. It's like, it my husband nice loves way, cranberries. I assume. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, fuck out of here. Uh, uh, the best thing anyone ever said to me was uh, that one of the intros to the Fly Sporadic I wrote in the second person and someone said it, it was like the Jay Peterman catalog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, you fucking got me. Wow. That's yeah, hilarious. totally. Okay, note to self, no more writing in the second person. Lined <laughs> up. Uh, but that's the type of experimental flavor that you can expect to get on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash pod $5 a month or $51 a year. Gets you all this flyness. Uh, but you know what? We be in real life. Can I tell them about some real life shit that's happening? On June 24th, the Eastside Record Swap returns to East San Jose with special guest Sean Kantrowitz coming to town. San Jose, Sean Kantrowitz coming to town to do a live version of the questions. So uh, have, you, have we have we like discussed how that's going to work? Like, are we going to play the game or like, how, do, how does that work? Are like so, audience so basically, members going to play the game? Uh, audience members will be able to play the game. And Nate, you're like the second to final boss. You are the like <laughs> super macho man of uh, Sean Catchwood's knockout. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interactive game. Folks who come will be able to play the game. We will have prizes. We're working on some special guest opponents that the, the crowd will play against. So Sean Catchwood's and I of, of the questions uh, game have been uh, – you know, doing some scheming around this. There may be some special Bay Area San Jose questions. So South Bay, Barrier, San Jose, if you want to prove you are the hip hop quiz master, come down Eastside Record Swap Saturday, June 24th at the School of Arts and Culture. I'll be talking about it um, a bunch and making people on the East Coast be like, dude, stop. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, don't you hate when you listen to podcasts and they're like, in Brooklyn next week, it's gonna, and you're just right. like, every, every podcast I listen to is like full of information for uh, Los Angelinos and Brooklynites. Right, <laughs> that you can't go to. So that's gonna be us. Come to San Jose if you wish. Um, so that that's coming up. You can still connect with us on Twitter at DadBodRapPod, on Instagram at DadBodRapPod. We are going to keep coming at you with more rapping and talking about rapping right here. Dad bod rap pod. On the bus, rolling to the crib. I would get dibs on the seat with my man OJ. Yeah, rock beats from the Park parked at 81st when I got home. This was first, I plugged the headphones in, then catch the break 14 with the system. I was like, great on the turntables. I turned labels back and forth and pushed stop on the tape. Then down the street to 81st place, the kid with the fat face with the fat case. 
for sale. $10. If you was known, I put the turntable down for the mic. I used to sell mixtapes, but now I'm an MC. I got the rhymes and beats. I used to rock them tapes. I used to sell mixtapes, but now I'm an MC. I got the rhymes and beats. I used to rock them tapes. Back up at World on Wheels with the rap contest. I used to try and get mine cause I thought I was fresh. Sound like LL Lashan with my Roxanne Ron. It might sound whack, but it was dope at the time. Then it progressed with styles up at iFresh. MCs like Ganja K and the rest post meter with the pause mix cut. Rocking Southwest College tearing it up. Money really wasn't part of the rap. Pay was having people start to clap. Getting ready for the break. Your heart starts to race. You was hype. Cause I can see it on your face. Yes, yes. The beat is like fresh. Plus we had the moves that make the party move. And those were the dudes without making tapes. Damn, I should go back to selling mixtapes. I used to sell mixtapes. But now I'm an MC. I got the rhymes and beats. I used to rock them tapes. I used to sell Two, four, and eight. Hit the rewind and move and turn the black plate. Get you a tape. Watch the crew wreck and spin the vinyl till it melt and get a fat new cassette across the west shore. Spin around with the sound and get choice by the clear voice. Rock from the ground. Stereo is all in the jam. Plus tricks that fixes styles through mixes. If you're soft, beginning to end, you can't win. Let the DJ freak pause, then run it again. While you're listening to the hit, it's nice. Can't you tell that the two will steady bring it till we swell? I used to sell mixtapes, but now I'm an MC. 